0: From the Capital City, I'm Ken Smith. The third annual Fireman's Ball Fire and Ice Winter Formal will be held Saturday, January 14th at the Elizabeth Paratrovich Hall. Meg Thornton, an EMT and firefighter, talked about it on KINY's Capital Chat. She says the ball is welcomed after a brief hiatus.
1: The Fireman's Ball did take place years and years ago, and then it kind of went away, and we just did our awards banquet. And then we went to... Doing the awards banquet, which is close to the public, and then we open it up to the public at eight o'clock um, to do the ball to celebrate with the public um, our achievements and just you know so they we have a venue to have music and just kind of have fun.
0: Among the awards that will be presented will be the Fireman of the Year and EMT of the Year. Thorntonsen says there will be a silent auction as well that will go towards a new scholarship fund.
1: Um, it's a new scholarship we started and. Um, we really want to have it succeed, and it will, and um, it will benefit high school students in the region to, uh, that are pursuing emergency medicine, fire services, you know, that type of first responder stuff.
0: The Fireman's Ball will feature live music by the Stinging Nettles in Manic 3. Tickets are $20 and can be purchased at the downtown fire station across from the Federal Building on Glacier Avenue. She also mentioned that they are a Now, firefighters at the academy that is underway. This year, 14 students are attending. The academy runs from January 4th to April 15th. And in other fire rescue news, 2022 was a busy year for Juno's fire department. Fire chief Richard Etheridge was a guest on Action Line. He says there were about 5,100 responses, 300 more than the previous year. Of those responses, 76 were fire-related, amounting to $2.4 million in losses. He says about 80% of the calls, though, were medical-related. And he sees these numbers growing over the next several years. We don't see any big changes in that uh, demographic happening, so um, medical calls
2: are going to be more and more common.
0: There were also four arson fires last year, which Fire Marshal Dan Jaeger, was also on Action Line, says has become a common thing over the last several years. When we say we have arson problems uh, or fires, we did, and it's primarily in the vehicle area. Uh, We had, you probably were here, and you remember the four vehicles we had out by Mendenhall Auto. Uh, Four vehicles were burned. That was an arson case. We had another one on North Douglas, that uh, we're in the judicial system right now getting that work through as for personnel shortages Etheridge says they have some, not like the extent of the police department, but he says there are a couple of paramedic positions right now open. What we've done is we've instituted a, an education program where existing employees can go to paramedic school and the, the department helps uh, pay those fees and supports them while they're, they're going to that program. Paramedics are in super high demand across the country and they're, they're extremely hard to recruit, so... Uh, who better to, to fill those roles than, than folks here locally uh, provided the opportunity to, to meet those. He says currently there are nine paramedics on ambulance and overall 15 paramedics on the force. Four positions are also available for summer seasonal firefighters. Those positions will open up at the end of January and the first week of February. And in April, they will start working and continue until the last cruise ship arrives. The National Park Service last week issued a proposed rule that, if finalized, would ban some of the most extreme and cruel methods of hunting and trapping bears and other wildlife on Alaska's more than 20 million acres of pristine national preserves. Wendy Keepover is the senior strategist for native carnivore protection in the Wildlife Department for the Humane Society, one of the groups supportive of the rule change. She says it's not only bear baiting, but the intensive management program in place to manage predatory animals in in these states' national parks.
1: The National Park Service in 2020 kind of adopted this, you know, Alaska state uh, management regime, which is called intensive management. And so intensive management involves killing a lot of predators to grow herbivores. And so the the 20 the 2020 rule allowed not just bear baiting but killing like sleeping black bear mothers and their cubs running um packs of hounds you know wearing radio collars after bears um killing wolves and coyotes at their den site so killing entire family groups
0: keepover says bear baiting is a hunting practice that is also in conflict with other recreational users
1: Number one, it's like the, the food that they use at these baits are, you know, really unhealthy. So it can make the animals sick. It concentrates a lot of animals. So they can spread disease such as rabies to each other. Um, and the thing that the park service really concentrated on is baiting can create food conditioned bears that can become aggressive. And then when there's other users, they can be attacked by, by bears. So, you know, they were saying in the proposed rule that there's, you know, even though there's vast lands in Alaska, everybody sort of is concentrated in a few pinch points. And so if you're baiting in the same place where people are recreating, you put those people at risk of being attacked.
0: A Park Service spokesperson last Friday said the agency is pursuing the new proposal due to legal and policy concerns around bear baiting. A federal judge in September found problems with a 2020 Trump era rule that lifted restrictions previously in place on sport hunting and trapping in national preserves in Alaska, including bear baiting. Keepover says it's gone beyond just bear baiting, but also impacts other predators.
1: Killing wolves and bears has failed to increase herds of caribou and moose. The entire purpose behind the the 2020... Rule. So uh, it, while it's really great at harming fragile populations of, of, of bears and wolves, for instance, as studies show, and then trophy hunting Alaska's native wildlife using these really cruel methods permitted under the 2020 rule, uh, it ends up killing whole family groups of wolves and coyotes at their den where they give birth to pups and then shooting brown bears and black bears over bait piles, and killing sleeping black bear, mother, and cubs. Um, all these things are, are really um, cruel, and they're not fair chase hunting. And, you know, it, it comes at the expense of ecosystem integrity and the lives of, you know, very intelligent species. And it goes against the public's interest in wildlife conservation and humane treatment of wildlife.
0: The Park Service had indicated it was already in the process of reassessing the rule, the matter was sent back to the agency. Appeals in the case are pending. Coming up on News of the North. The city and borough of Juneau had their first assembly meeting of the whole last night. The sunken tugboat in the harbor and its cleanup efforts was one topic that was brought up. A state court judge has ruled that an Anchorage Democrat who won a statehouse race last fall meets the residency requirements to take office. And a satellite crashed to earth landing in Alaska nobody was hurt that coming up on news of the north welcome back to news of the north the city and borough of Juneau assembly committee of the whole held its first meeting monday during the meeting the port director carl yucatel provided an update of the 107-foot tugboat 1940s built mv Tagist owned by don ethridge the tug sank on december 29th Yukatel says the coast guard was involved to investigate the oil that had leaked and Harbor provided assistance deploying a boom. He says Etheridge had been putting out absorbing pads every day and put an absorbent boom out as well. About 100 gallons of petroleum products on board. Yucatil says the Coast Guard gave Etheridge until this past Monday to salvage the vessel.
2: The responsible party has indicated to me that uh, he has indicated that he's waived his um, rights to... um, deal with the uh, salvage efforts, meaning that the Coast Guard will now federalize the uh, the situation um, using funds from what's called the Oil Spill Trust Liability Fund. That's a fund that uh, after Exxon Valdez uh, it collects money based on uh, throughput and um, pipelines throughout the country. So the Coast Guard has money to mobilize and, and bring a contractor uh, to bear.
0: You could tell explain to the assembly how payment would be made for the cleanup.
2: Uh, we'll request some kind of repayment or all repayment from the responsible party. So, that's that is what those are the facts I know today. Um, I don't have a timeline as far as when the Coast Guard will um, bring to bear a contractor to. Um, uh, deal with the uh, the vessel. Again, they're, the federal responsibility from the Coast Guard is oil pollution at this point.
0: Yucatel says they may leave the vessel in place or attempt to put it on a barge. He says if it remains, it is not a hazard to cruise ships. A state court judge has ruled that an Anchorage Democrat who won a state house race last fall meets residency requirements to take office. Superior Court Judge Herman Walker Jr. has issued the ruling more than two weeks after hearing the case challenging Democrat Jennifer Jenny Armstrong's eligibility to serve in the legislature in just over a week before the new legislative session begins. The challenge was brought by Republican Liz Vasquez, who lost the House race in November to Armstrong, plus four others. The case alleged Armstrong had not met a three-year residency requirement, but Walker found that Armstrong met the residency standard. For almost 40 years circling Earth, A NASA satellite has plunged harmlessly through the atmosphere. The retired science satellite came down late Sunday. NASA said Monday that the Defense Department confirmed the satellite reentered over the Bering Sea off the coast of Alaska. Officials have received no reports of injury or damage from falling debris. Late last week, NASA said it expected most of the 5,400-pound satellite to burn up in the atmosphere, but that some pieces might survive. Space shuttle Challenger carried the satellite into orbit in 1984, and the first American woman in space set it free. The satellite was retired in 2005. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. I'm Ken Smith for News of the North.